Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of Sonographers in the Cities. I'm Lynn. And I'm Giselle. Thank you so much for tuning in and or watching. We hope you enjoy this episode. We have a special guest. Yes, today we have a very special guest for you guys. And of course, if you listen to our podcast from last episode, we talked about OBGYN and MFM sonography. And we have a very special sonographer here today, an OBGYN registered sonographer. And it's Steffi. So everybody, welcome Steffi to the podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Steffi Slays. I'm so excited to be here on your podcast to talk more in detail with OBGYN and MFM. Yay, thank you so much for coming on. We're so excited, especially because for those of you who listened to our last episode, I am not a two episodes ago. Well, two episodes ago. <laughs> I am not a expert in OBGYN and MFM. And Steffi here is the expert, and we're definitely excited to hear what she has to say about the uh field because it is something that many of you guys are interested in. So obviously you can find her on Instagram and she can, you know, share a lot of her insights with you guys in today's episode is so that we can learn more about it. Um, she's over there in Texas. And so we're all in three different states, three different time zones. And we're just truly thankful that you're coming on today to share your story. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you became a sonographer. I know getting the three of us together is crazy. And I love it that we're in three different time zones. <laughs> so I'm Steffi Slays. Um, I've now been an OBGYN sonographer for over two years. Um, it's such a great journey. I love it. I wouldn't change my specialty for anything else. Um, but funny story is I did not choose OBGYN at first. It chose me. <laughs> I wanted to do vascular and when I got my first job out of school, that was the first thing I went into. And after two months of doing vascular, I couldn't really find a connection with it. I love the protocols. I love the exams. It was so much fun. But mentally, emotionally, I wasn't there. It just, mm -hmm. I, for me, I felt like a robot doing the same thing over and over again. Um, and surprisingly, someone needed an OB sonographer and they contact me and I'm like, well, I never done OB. Um, so if you guys are willing to teach me, take your time and train me well, then I'll do it. And here I am <laughs> loving it and wanting to get more credentials within this specialty. Um, I am currently still in MFM training. Um, I was telling Giselle earlier that although I do want to be fully MFM eventually, I really like where I'm at right now, which is OBGYN, um, working in clinic. But besides that, how I got into sonography, it's an interesting story. <laughs> I'm actually a professional wrestler with WOW Women of Wrestling. I needed another career because I know the longevity of wrestling will take a toll on your body. Um, I started off originally with business, got all of my degrees for that, went into the career business, and it's brutal. <laughs> I'm not a fan of business. Um, it's, it's a lot of paperwork, a lot of numbers, uh, long hours sitting down. 
So me being physically active and then taking on a career where I just sat down and did nothing was too much for me to handle. And my mom was like, well, you always like helping people. You know, why don't you try the medical field? And I can't remember which one of you guys don't like needles, but that was me too. I don't like needles. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and I found ultrasound. I'm like, this is pretty cool. A uh, medical career with innovating technology. It's like playing video games and being active and everything that I love all in one. And mm -hmm. here I am, a sonographer. <laughs> wow, I love that. Um, I actually really do love your story. And it's a great thing because we always talk about people who um, don't know what they really want in ultrasound. And you actually did vascular first, had that idea, but then you one day just were like, oh, OBGYN, like even I could do that. Like if one day I wanted to do that, I could do that. It, you know, I don't know if it will, <laughs> but you know, it's really cool to see that. And I love that you, when I thought about how you're a wrestler too, like you're very active and all that. And you can take all of that into the field of sonography as well, because we always talk about ergonomics, being mentally, physically prepared for everything that we have to do as sonographers. So you really do have this like balance of your your work and um, your life in general. And that's a really cool story, very unique. And I, I really liked it. Thank, thank you for sharing. Of course. Yes, thank you so much for sharing. Um, I could see your passion and your love for sonography and OB and it makes me excited because I'm learning OB too next and even though I'm not I'm, I, I like OB I like learning it but I don't know if I want to become a OB sonographer um, so like how did you consider other fields of healthcare as well or did you just like found sonography and they're like this is it for me and like now that you're a sonographer, how did you know or when did it come to the point where you know that you made the right choice? So with me, I kind of did like the process of elimination because mm -hmm. my family split in two. We have all the investors, business, property, tax, all of that. And then we have doctors and nurses. <laughs> so I luckily had the beauty of both worlds. Um, my cousin, who's a doctor, she, you know, 10 years in the business, um, 10 years of schooling. It's just a lot. Um, that was kind of intimidating. And then nursing, I wasn't a huge fan of all the job, you know, requirements that a nurse have to do. Um, I love what they do. I love like amazing. If you're a nurse, that's so incredible, but me personally, I cannot handle that type of job requirement. Um, I am very tech savvy. And so when I did come across ultrasound, I knew, I knew, you know, like everyone else, the bare minima, oh, scanning the babies. Um, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I guess, you know, I could do that. But then when I dive deeper into what exactly DMS provides, I fell in love with all of the other aspects right away. And then first day of school was lab. They wanted to lure us in with all the technology and that's my weakness. I fell in love right away with all of the ultrasound machines and I wanted to, to learn more since, since the very first day I was ready to learn. And as you guys said earlier about 
not sure what you want to do or possibly doing it later. That's another beauty of ultrasound that one day you could be doing one specialty and you can switch gears at any moment because we can do that. We have the advantages to, to, you know, do more than just one thing. Yeah, I definitely agree. I really like everything that you said. And it, it shows that I think because a lot of people who listen to our podcast, obviously are mostly students. So it really shows them that you can go into this, you know, still being unsure and still finding something for you and knowing there's still other things down the road. So you're not really stuck with this whole same deal, same thing every single day. There's so much room for change and growth. And uh, you also show that I think sonographers, what I feel like is that we're all very passionate about learning and wanting to keep on learning. And that's what this whole field is about. So I think you really said it best there. Thank you. I totally agree. I don't know um, if you get asked these questions, Giselle, but I, I got asked a couple of times, like, how do you know in your journey that, you know, sonography is for you? And I always like stumble and I'm like, I don't know yet. <laughs> so I thought I asked Steffi since she's, you know, she's like, I love OB and all that stuff. And, and uh, that was a great uh, answer. It's very inspiring. And I hope that students who are listening to this or watching, they can take that from you. Um, so since you love OB so much, um, what's the best part of being an uh, OBGYN sonographer? Oh man, <laughs> the babies, of course. Babies. <laughs> um, I don't have any kids myself and I get really excited when I see the cute little profile, um, the face, and the heart. To me, whenever I see the heart and the four chamber view and the moms are like, what is that? I'm like, that's the baby's heart. It's fluttering like a butterfly because it just looks like it's doing this. <laughs> um, yeah, I really love the fun and the, the happiness and all the love that comes with OB. Um, just seeing the moms get excited, you know, being part of their gender reveal journey and then seeing the same patients. So you're, I basically take the men from the very beginning to the very end. And just seeing that journey and being part of that journey is so rewarding for me. In fact, I went to the park with my sister. She has a three-year-old and it's a park right by the two hospitals that I work for in the clinics. And I see all these little little ones, like one-year-olds and strollers and stuff. And I'm like, I wonder how many of these babies are mine. <laughs> oh, the <laughs> ones that you scanned. Yeah, the ones that I've scanned. Like, all of these babies are probably mine. <laughs> that's so cute. Yeah, so, yeah, that's the fun about OB. Um, Jen, you know, just, it's, it's, it's incredible. Like, every single time I see a new person, it's like a new canvas of, possibilities and challenges and you don't really know what you're walking into it's like a wormhole type thing you know going into gin fighting all of these unique pathologies um I mean I just saw Christy um DMS story about <laughs> seeing um 
a mass that wasn't supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, wow, I hope that never happens to me. <laughs> so that that's, you know, I find a lot of joy in it. OBGYN is so much. And for those of you who are still in school, you will see how much OBGYN has in, in terms of like pathology, protocols, learning everything. Um, so of course, we're going to definitely ask you a little bit later what the protocols and things are for your OBGYN patients. Um, but since you just kind of talked about the best part of it, what would you say is the most challenging so that they are aware that, you know, always, obviously it's not always, we like to talk about how ultrasound isn't always rainbows and butterflies as much as we love ultrasound and we want to share that. We also know there is a tough part of it as well. Exactly. So, exactly. Mm -hmm. exactly. Um, so the beauty of it is babies, which is also the beast. Um, as much fun and joy they bring you, of course, you're going to have fatal casualties um, that you don't really want to be a part of, but that's just, you know, part of the job. For me, the challenges are, of course, uh, miscarriages, uh, not seeing the, the fetal heart, especially in the late terms around five and a half, six months. And you just saw this patient, everything was fine. And and then they come back for a follow-up and then next thing you know, there's no fetal heart. So it's, it's, it's very disturbing to see those kind of images of what a five-month-old baby should look like, but doesn't look like. It just, everything looks mush, disproportion, the head isn't right. It just doesn't look like what it's supposed to look like. But you got to take the images, try to show that there's no fetal heart. And, you know, stay strong. Those are, those are the challenges of being an OB sonographer. That's more in the extreme. Other daily challenges are trying to chase the baby around. It's not easy getting from head to toe within a certain time frame while the baby is super active or curled up in a ball and doesn't want to move and open up for you at all. And definitely obese patients, high risk, bigger patients. Um, it could take a toll on your wrist, but with the proper stretching and therapy and and icing, you know, it should be fine. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for sharing all of that. I honestly could start crying when you were talking about uh, the fetal demise and like I just know that OBGYN sonographers and MFM sonographers are very strong because of those things that they do have to see. Well, and you know, you're with those patients all the time. So I don't know how, how I could do that just because in the emergency setting for me in the hospital, mm -hmm. you know, we don't have to really see those patients often, or we don't have to, um, like, I always wonder what the interaction is between you and the doctor, like, do you say anything to these patients or is it the doctor that says, it? you know, just because you're in a different setting in a mm -hmm. clinic versus a hospital, like, obviously we don't say anything. And I have a lot of students who ask me personally, like, how do you deal with that stuff? And I say, well, I don't, we're not supposed to say anything. So as mm -hmm. far as like OBGYN MFM goes, are you guys interacting with the patients and like talking to them throughout your exams and like how does the patient care interaction go for you guys? 
Um, so first of all, I think it depends on your relationship with the doctor, um, how well you work with them. I, in my case, I work for two big hospitals. I'm their outpatient clinic uh, sonographer. So my doctors are all MFM doctors and they're OR doctors um, for these two hospitals. So I'm very, my relationship with all 10 doctors is very, very, very close. They trust what I say and they trust my work. So every, every clinic is a little bit different. Um, I do have a few OBGYN friends where they tell me they would scan for 10, 15 minutes and then get everything that they can within that time frame. And then they go tell the doctor what they didn't see, what they did see. And then the doctor will come back and basically rescan that same patient. And the doctor will tell the patient right there. And then in my case, I scan alone. None of my doctors is there to double check anything. So the pressure is really, really on for me. And it took time for them to get to that trusting point. Basically, like if I'm doing like an anatomy exam, I like to include the mother. I won't tell her everything, but I'll tell her the obvious stuff like, okay, we're going to look at your baby. We're going to scan the head. This is the head. This is the face. But all the little brain details, I just stay quiet and just show them what the normal anatomy that they can obviously tell that's a hand. Um, when it comes to pathology, I'm really good at keeping a poker face. I typically kind of distract the patient in a way by asking them like, oh, are you going to have a gender reveal? You know, try to divert the conversation and let them speak so I can concentrate on getting the pathology that I see there. For fetal demise, typically patients understand what a heart is supposed to sound like. and when there's no heart, they start freaking out. What is it? What's wrong? And I wouldn't really tell them your there's no heartbeat, but I would just tell them, um, don't worry. I'm gonna go get the doctor, and the doctor's gonna give you more details. So basically, the doctor also tells the patient results, but when it comes to the protocol and the exams and the report whatever I put there is what they're going to go off of. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's a very good explanation. Mm -hmm. Obviously everybody listening, like, you know, every place, every city, every doctor, everywhere is different. Um, but I was also just curious about how, how it goes in the OBGYN setting, because it's definitely a whole different playing field when you have to do the whole exam obviously for the doctor or I didn't even know that some doctors scan like you said for your other OBGYN friends so obviously that makes sense too because the OB doctors should know how to scan their patients and you see it on tv shows and movies that the doctors are like scanning the patients so uh it's definitely a good insight for for us who have no idea so thank you for sharing that um, but it definitely is different everywhere, you guys. So, you know, just listen to wh wherever you go. I always tell people to listen, whatever the preceptor or mentor or facility says and how their way of doing it is, you go by that. But I like that you said they trust you um, and it took time because 
it takes time for ourselves to trust ourselves. And when you're talking about how you tell them there's a head, but then you don't tell them about all the little details, there's way more to just looking at the head than people really think. So do you wanna give us a little insight to the protocols and what you're really looking at? So people are like kind of intrigued by what you guys actually see and you don't just see a baby and a beating heart. <laughs> Of course. And, and and a little bit to add on to the previous thing, don't ever feel pressure to do it. If you don't feel comfortable um, doing something, you have to communicate with your doctors, your coworkers, other sonographers and say, hey, you know, can we do something else? Because this isn't working out for me. And then, of course, if there's something that I come across and I don't really know what I'm looking at, I can always go to any of my doctors and ask them to come in and scan with me. And that's happened multiple times where I, I didn't know, or it was my first time seeing pathology of that kind. And they would come in, they would just confirm it for me. So, so yeah, you do have that as well. As of protocols, there are so many different protocols. Um, we have the first, second, third trimester um, and first you could either do over the abdomen, transvaginally. Um, the more detailed one is anatomy, which is the second trimester. We try to do those between 18 to 22 to really get a good view of every little detail. Um, some places like to do anatomy as early on as 16 weeks. If there's any positive throughout the blood work, then we will do it at the 16 weeks to try to catch something. I recently had a 16 week year old um, scan because the blood work came out with some sort of pathology. And then when I went in there, I actually saw it and it was gastroschisis, which is basically the bowels um, herniating out of the abdomen on the right side. Um, so those are like, types of pathologies that you can catch early on and the reason why we do them at 16 but any other normal anatomy we try to keep it between the 18 and 22 um so I like to break the body into pieces I like to go in order um I usually start off with the placenta where is it is it anterior posterior previa make all of those images and then the next thing would be the, the baby presentation, the lie. Is the baby cephalic? Is it breech? Is it transverse? Um, once I get those two, then I can start going into the details of the baby. I, I start off with the head, all the insides, the brain. So lateral ventricles, the posterior fossa, um, the, the head circumference. And then I move on to the facial features which is the, the eyes, the nose, lips, um, profile, full front face, to make sure there's no cleft lip there, everything looks normal. Then we do upper extremity, which the extremities are always challenging because baby's always moving around, kicking around. <laughs> upper extremity is a little easier than lower, but the fingers, having to count all the fingers is more time consuming than anything else. I'm like, why can't you just put your hands like this? <laughs> um, then we go down to the body. I get the spine, 
diaphragm. It's very important to get the heart and the stomach when you're getting the diaphragm to really make sure it's fully closed and nothing is crossing over. Um, then we do the body lie of the whole entire um, contour of the body. And then I go into the heart details, aorta, SVC, IVC, um, outflow tracts, four chamber, three VV. Um, so yes, I do all of those details in a normal OB clinic. Um, they would most likely just do, I believe, aorta and four chamber. But because I work with MFM doctors, um, I like to train as if I'm doing a full fetal echo exam. Um, so I add all those different compartments into the heart. We get the heartbeat. Um, then we get the, the positioning of the heart and the stomach to make sure it's all on the right side and then move up to the kidneys. You got to make sure you get the blood flow Doppler of the kidneys as well. Label right and left. Um, the patients always freak out when they see that. They're like, you see kidneys? Where? <laughs> it looks all the same to me because <laughs> it's very similar to the rest of the body. Those are really hard. So a trick to find to make sure that the baby has both kidneys is to turn on your color Doppler and to make sure you see the, the blood flow going into both. Then you get the AC measurement and then you do cord insertion, bladder, 3VC, gender, all the, the femur length, um, the legs, the feet, and the legs have to be where you see both bones the tibia and fibia, you have to see both to make sure that nothing's missing. And then on the feet, you have to make sure the feet is laying flat where the toes, you can count them and not sideways. Oh, wow. That's tricky as well. I'm like, imagine <laughs> if the baby's not in that position for you. What would you do? So, like this is where we talk about you got to move around the belly. You got you can't stay in one spot. If you stay in one spot, you're never going to get all these different images. Um, you have to use that whole the whole belly is your window to seeing the baby. You know, um, there are little tricks. For example, if the spine is up on top when you're looking and the baby's facing down then you want to move your arm all the way to the right side of the mother's belly, angle the probe up. So that way you can see the spine. Um, same thing for the profile. If the baby is not really, you got to just move around. You know, you got to move around. You know, if the baby's facing up, go to the left side. If the baby's facing down, go to the right side. So you just got to keep using all that space in order to get every single detail of the baby. I, I was like listening to everything. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like so much. And I don't know how you guys do that in a certain amount of time. Cause I know there's still more things that you really do see and check like on top of all of that. So mm -hmm. I commend, I commend you for everything that you do. Thank you so much for being such a great OBGYN sonographer to your patients and being just this amazing, like, I don't, you know, it, um, I'm going to say influencer because on Instagram, like I really do see everything that you do and we really appreciate everything that you do. We can see the passion that you have and it, and it really shows. So thank you so much. Yeah.
Yes, thank you. Like when you were going from the placenta to down to the toes, I was so proud because I could follow every single thing. I can follow it in my head and um, imagine the uh, the the baby. You know, everything. It's like okay, I know what she's talking about. I was like, I was like, I would, yes, I was just proud of myself because I could follow. But yes, it's like uh, that's just like for um, when you're checking anatomy scans, right? And that's not including pathologies. And there's, I'm sure there are more pathologies. <laughs> yeah, that's and, what, even when you find pathology, you still have to do the full exam. So, with, you know, like if, if you find anything in the brain, you got to make sure, okay, really look at the spine. Or if you find something in the bladder, you want to look at the kidneys, you want to look at the stomach, you want to look at, um, the the AFI, you know, to rule out any other types of pathology, you have to see it all. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a lot. And that's just the anatomy, that second trimester, you know, then there's third trimester with the PPPs, retrograde growth. Um, those are all very detailed anatomy as well. Um, or sorry, detailed scans, because you still have to include, for me, I always include the four chamber and the diaphragm throughout all the way to the very end, even when you're just doing uh, RUG scan. I want to include that because diaphragmic hernias are very, very sneaky and they'll sneak up on you. So that is <laughs> the thing that I will always make sure that I catch and as well with the four chamber. Wow. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm like, well, I don't have to do that, but that'd be really cool to do uh, one day. But you know, i I really enjoyed listening to you talk and I know that we can talk so much more and so much longer. Um, there's just so much to talk about when it comes to OBGYN MFM. We didn't even really get to touch upon MFM, mm-hmm. but I know you're training. So I, I would absolutely love to have you back on to talk about MFM when you're when it's all said and done. And then we can go into more detail with that. But I do know that MFM is all of that plus more like a higher specialty because you have so many different things you need to look for with that, with the high risk and all of that. We definitely appreciate you. And um, just real quick for those who are listening, what's what's an advice that you would have for current and prospective sonography students um, in their future? My advice for students is to don't be so hard on yourself. This is a very challenging career. You don't know how many times I wanted to get up and quit. And I know as a student, you're going to feel that way. Am I good enough? Yes, because you made it. You made it this far and you're going to get, you're going to make it to the finish line. You got to stay strong. You got to believe in yourself and don't compare yourself to others. I know this is a very, very, very competitive career. Don't beat yourself up for it. You know, we're all here together. It shouldn't be a competition, in fact. It should be a community. We should be here to support each other. So stay strong. You chose this career for a reason. You're still in it for a reason. I want to see you cross that finish line because once you get over to that other side, all of that just goes away. It goes away. <laughs> Enjoy the career and you're going to be so happy and not so stress-free. I mean, there's always stress, but <laughs> not as much as a student stress. <laughs> right. Yes, that's really great advice. I absolutely love that. Don't compare yourself. And social media, it definitely uh, makes it that much worse. 
you know, so just do your thing. We're here to help each other. This is what the community is for. And we really do appreciate you for coming on to this podcast today. Thank you so much and hope to see you in a future one. Yes, of course. Thank you so much for having me on here. Yes, thank you. And for all of you who are listening, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you get some takeaways from Stephanie from this episode and learn a lot about OB. And we'll talk to you next week. Yes, we'll talk soon. Thank you guys so much. And don't forget to follow her on Instagram. Where can they find you on Instagram? Steffi Slays RDMS. Yay, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.